This is a Mr. Thrive Media production. Wish I had a million dollars. Hot dog! Hello, small business warriors. I'm Joel Volk, and welcome to Small BizCast, where twice a month I explore the lives of small business owners to dig a bit deeper and expose strengths, weaknesses, ideas, and challenges with blemishes and all. As I look back at my years in business, I remember that there are many, many times I needed a lawyer to just poke their nose in and take a look and see what they could do to help. Sometimes I just needed advice on a lease. Other times I needed to have a contract that a customer wanted me to sign or a vendor wanted me to sign and I wanted someone to look at it. Sometimes I had to worry about employment law. Other times I needed to change my corporation, make partnership agreements, things on that level. So I'm very proud that we are sponsored by a firm that specializes in these types of things for small businesses. Coincidentally, it's called the Small Business Law Firm. Scott Williams is the principal attorney at the Small Business Law Firm. He's the go-to guy for anything related to small business matters. I like to think of them as the Swiss Army knife for your business. So when you're ready, and even if you're not ready, keep it on hand because you might be ready sooner than you know, call 855-5-BIZ-LAW. That's 855-524-9529. Ask for Scott, mention the Small Biz Cast, and remember they're a great resource should things get ugly. I'm very excited to bring you Nancy Fox of The Business Fox. Her drive and passion for helping business heroes succeed is deep-rooted. She's been shifting the paradigm of business leaders for years with a blend of new ideas and science of the mind. She's fun. She's interesting. Dare I say it, she's a business fox. So as you listen to this interview, as a small business person, you'll find comfort in knowing you are not alone. Hopefully, you'll learn something while finding inspiration and ideas from the people I introduce you to, like Nancy. Hopefully, you'll laugh with us too. Hot dog. It's a wonderful life. So I'm going to say this, but we're, we're talking to Nancy Fox of The Business Fox. You are a business consultant, correct? Coach? You know what? You can call me business coach. That's fine. Okay, so coach, let me ask you this. If your last name was Burnbaum, would you be the business Burnbaum? <laughs> so how did you get your business name, Nancy? So I hired this company to do my branding. I, my original business name was Fox Coaching Associates for a long time. It was very corporate. I was working with a lot of corporations. And around 2007-ish, I had this like epiphany that I just wanted to like branch out. And I, I needed to, I felt constrained by this corporate language and feeling. Hired a company to help me build my brand. And we were playing around with names and playing around with logos, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, nothing stuck like it was okay but it wasn't like i you know you know when it's it well at the time a colleague of mine tweeted about me and she was really good at i don't know she's good at handles she said oh that nancy fox that no she said nancy fox that business fox la 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 and i went oh my god i said that's it and i said wrote to her immediately i said thank you you are my new branding expert um, so then I sent out, so it was a tweet. Somebody tweeted about me as a name. And I said, uh, I sent it out to a bunch of people. What do you think? And some people said, oh, it's too risque. It's too this, it's too that. It doesn't fit. La, la, la. And I said, I don't care. And so I've used it like I have the business fox, the marketing fox, the mindset fox. And it just was a great branding name. And then when I wrote my book on networking, it was perfect because I just wrote networking like a fox. So it's just like, it all just sort of fell into place. How long ago did you write your book? About seven years ago. 
So do you think networking in principle has changed much in those, those seven years? Especially now where we, we have to uh, find other ways to connect with people. It's not, it's never been, here's my card, buy for me. That's never worked. If it, if it did, we'd all be billionaires. But, but it has been face-to-face, -face, eye contact relationships, engaging, yeah. kind of mixing business with pleasure, just a little, just enough to where we get to know and trust people. And, um, it's very hard to do that right now in particular. It's really interesting that you're saying this because I'm going to be really, you know, you can cut out what you want, but this is the truth. So um, I really, really hate, when I started my business, I hated networking because I was so shy and nervous. And then I learned to love it. I just got really good at it. I learned how to, I never focused on myself. I asked, I was really good at asking questions. I built a lot of relationships with people and I felt very, it was easier for me to network with people and follow up with them than it was asking them for you know referrals. I just hated the referral thing. Sure. So it really worked a lot for me. And, um, but there was something important. I was, I, I realized along the way that you could network, 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 and get nowhere because you needed to target it. So I was very, I got really good at figuring out where to go and who, where not to go. And I taught all my students that. So when I wrote the book, it was all about targeted networking, not general networking. And so that's really was the angle because a lot of books have been written on how to build relationships. I was more about how to build the right relationships with the right big cheeses, decision makers, how to get in there with, like it was all about that. So I had built, um, and I was in New York. New York is easy to network in. I, was, I built a really good network in New York and Philadelphia. I, those were my two main markets. And I had a huge network um, and it just grew and grew. And I, I would pretty much put accountants together with lawyers and they would, they just flew and I got right. business. Right. But when I came to California, when I moved to Los Angeles, I just thought, oh, no worries. I know how to network, blah, 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 you know? And I thought it would be a breeze. It didn't turn out that way at all. So I'm gonna do a little sacrilege here. So I wrote the book on networking, but when I got here, it didn't play out the way it's different here because it's, there's so much traffic and there's, it's, it takes a long time to get anywhere. People were networking in these tr triads and it just was a very big mess because it took forever to get connected with people. Um, it took a long time to get anywhere. It was just not, it, it was very laborious and it took a lot longer. So when I got to that realization, I said, okay, if it's not working one way, you've got to be resourceful. So I started networking online. And it's really what led me to build my whole online business because I really do, um, I, I only network online now and I really don't do any live networking. I, I don't have to. I just pretty much build my network online. And I the diff besides, the, besides the obvious of traffic and not you know buying lunches, I always consider myself a professional uh, eater sometimes because I feel like all my network. Exactly, exactly. Besides those, are there differences in terms of how you connect? I mean, and I mean, when I say connect, I mean really connect. I really do think yeah. there's a- How do you find that synergy, that, that common interest when you're online? And by the way, when you say online, do you mean this type of thing? Like we're on- Anything, well, well, we if you notice, even though we met in person, we reconnected online. Correct. So, it's the same exact thing, except we're connecting through the digital space. Um, either I meet you at a live networking event or I meet you online somehow. 
I met one of my, my longest running clients and colleagues. I met her on Twitter. And I met her on Twitter by accident. I was following somebody who was a lawyer and she was following him. And we started to have a conversation. And then she came to one of my live events. She literally got on a plane from Cleveland to New York and met me. And we and then she hired she hired me for two firms. And she, you know, invited me to speak at one of her key events. I mean, it has been going on for years. We're still, we just communicated yesterday. So I it's really very interesting because you just never know. You just have to learn how to when you connect, you have to learn how to open the conversation, no matter which way it's, you know, no matter where you are. What I did find is that the, the, the energy of the people that you're connecting with, you have to be simpatico. And I thought, I felt like very, very committed to only networking with people who are really interested in building relationships and truly like, you know, not just, what do you got for me today? Where's your my refer? Like, <laughs> there were a lot of people I met here who were like that. They had their own networks already built in, and they really weren't interested in anybody that wasn't in their normal space. They weren't interested in that. So I didn't. I, it took me a while to face the fact of that, and then I just rec It's like you know, when you're faced with one door closed, open another one. That's just how I looked at it. So this to me begs the question. So just uh, just a little bit backing up because we got a little ahead of ourselves. Your your business is about helping biz helping other businesses people transform from one thing that doesn't work into things that do work. Correct. So my question is, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Because you clearly had to do that for yourself in order to make your your <laughs> your business succeed. Exactly. That really is the 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 that which you're teaching other colleagues. Clients. Well, the first thing is that um, I had to sort, well, it's a really good question. When it started, I had to actually behave the way I had to be it before I was it. It was a weird thing because I had never had a business of my own. I had never sold a thing. I was a corporate soldier. That's all I knew. So in the beginning, I don't know, like I just, until I started having conversations with people that were out of myself and into them, nothing happened. Then when I started to get my first clients, I was so, you know what, Joe, I was so determined to never have to work for somebody again that I would have, I would have done anything provided it was legal and ethical. I mean, I'm not kidding. I would have, if it was ethical and legal, I would have done anything because I just didn't want to work for anybody again. So I didn't know how to do a lot of it. I didn't know how to sell. I didn't, I just didn't know how to do anything. I just learned on the fly. I hired coaches. I learned from them. I got a lot of training and I went for it. So in the beginning, I didn't really, I was doing a lot of corporate training in the beginning and a lot of executive coaching, which I did know about. But what I realized is that business is business because the people I was working with were completely out of my industry. I said, well, this sounds familiar. I know about that. I thought I didn't know about that. I knew about selling and I knew about customers and I knew about anyway I knew more than I thought so once I started and then I just started one from there but there were many many niches that I went into that I had no idea anything about them accounting law firms oh my god the first time I ever did any training in a law firm was hysterical because they had been hiring these big shot fancy schmancy ex-lawyers to train them and I I'm not a lawyer but I believed in what I was teaching and I knew how to build relationships and they needed clients and they didn't know how to speak to people. So it became a mission to understand different niche markets. I, 
I made it my business to understand the world they were living in. I made it my business to get in their heads. I think that was the key thing. I got in their heads. So you're empathetic, correct? That's what you're saying? You felt? That's interesting. Am I empathetic? I, I chose to become that. I wanted so you can, to- So that was my question. Can you teach someone who's cerebral to be have to, to 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 have the empathy that they may or may not feel comfortable displaying yes if they want it yes if they no. don't want it no so do you have to start from a cerebral place you have to explain to them this is a necessary tool that you need to develop because this is what you're missing when it comes to connecting with people is empathy and so let's talk about how to how to uh how to build that empathetic muscle so that's interesting too because um Empathy is sort of like in this woo-woo emotional space, right over here somewhere. Very, um, it's on the intuitive side of the scale. And then there's the tactical intellectual side of the scale, right? Mm -hmm. I have both, but I t when people are like that, like more on the intellectual side and not on the intuitive side, I, teach them from a place of neuroscience and the brain science. I teach them how the brain works and how thoughts happen and how emotions happen and they get that. And when they feel like they have mastery over their ability to think by re reorganizing their thinking patterns and their um, the brain chemistry, they love it. That they get. Is it, so, it must be liberating for them. Um, well, they like to have mastery. So when you get mastery over your thinking and you yeah. feel like everybody likes to feel mastery. So if you get to, if you get to practice mastery over your thought processes and they don't send you into, into a tailspin and you feel you know, powerful over that, it's a really, it's a win for them, right? That's why for those people, I love the neuroscience approach and I'm fascinated by it myself. And over here for the more empathic people and the more intuitive people, I'll talk to them about the heart and the soul of it. Um, so I'll give you an example. Um, let's see. Um, so when I work with people who are like lawyers, you know, they're very, they're very evidence, they're very evidential kinds of people. They want examples and proof that it's going to work, right? So I will break things down into a model for them of steps. So I'll show them how the brain actually works. And I'll give you an example. Let's say you're having um, an experience of you're in a conversation with a client and it is devolving into um, a, um, like a, a sort of a battle of the wills. Right. So now you're feeling that as you're, as the professional, you're feeling, um, you're experiencing um angst or stress when you are when you start to become present present to stress and the levels of cortisol rising and when you start to stay present to how your body's reacting you can start to learn how to now stop in the moment interrupt the pattern and you can start to recreate all the way from back to oh this is why I'm, this is coming up for me here's how i know how to handle a situation. It doesn't mean what I might, my subconscious mind is telling me. I can go all the way back to my first thought and change the thought 
change the chemical reaction, change the experience of it, and now I'm coming at it from a completely different angle with this person. So, so that's better than taking a Xanax or taking a, dr a drink of liquor, right? Well, that's good too. <laughs> but, I like that too. Because <laughs> that's another, so self-medicating is another way to handle that. Well, that's, if there was a whole article, there's a big um, series of articles that somebody wrote in the New York Times a while back about the stress of lawyers and how there are, you know, substance abuse is a very, it, the stress of those kinds of professions is pretty high and they self-medicate, you know, in many, many different ways. But people, people tend to, you know, it's fight or flight. Right. If you have tools that you practice every day, like, you know, mindfulness. Um, one of my favorite examples was when the Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl and they, they did a whole story on um, how their, their, um, their manager brought in a sports psychologist whose name is Michael Gervais, very famous guy. And he did daily meditations with them and mindfulness and visualizations and it reduced their stress levels and it activated their, um, their visualization so that they could actually gain control over not just their emotions, but they could actually control their performance levels through mindset. I think this is so fascinating because in the moment when you're feeling like, let's say you're in the middle of a conversation with a potential client and it's not going your way when you have some control over what the your own mindset is doing to you you can you can interrupt it right in the moment and take a completely different tack and you you can have mastery over the situation even if it doesn't work out exactly as you want you no longer have to feel like you failed you don't have to you don't have to feel um that you missed an opportunity you get to see that there are different ways of perceiving business and you get way more control over the situation i find that fascinating it is fa that's what i mean it's real and when you really when you start learning about how the brain actually works in, on the on the energetic um neurological level it's really cool because you can see you i started to learn how the neurons connect how the chemicals get released what the chemicals what we experience the chemicals to be like. And it really allows, you know, once you start learning about this, you have so many different choices about how you're gonna interact with potential clients. So a lot of times, you know, when, you know, if you're going through different experiences at networking events or, or even now we're going through very stressful situations um, where we no longer have control over the kinds of business opportunities that we want because we can't be physically present with people the same way or industries are completely shutting down for now we have mastery over this but if we are if our rum, emotions are running amok we have no mastery so i'm about to go into a big business meeting i'm gonna gonna be presenting something that's uncomfortable for me is there are there any voice mind visualization exercises you can share with us that yeah through beforehand and how much time should i should I allow? And the reason I ask that is there are so many days that uh, uh, a meeting that I have planned goes longer than expected. And now I've got, you know, five minutes between meetings. And it's very, it's, it's kind of energy level is kind of hard to diffuse, to at least focus in the right spot. So where, where, does, where does one begin to prepare for a meeting? Um, well, first of all, I think it begins there are two, I want to answer that on two different levels. The first Only thing is- Only because I asked three questions in one. Right, yeah. <laughs> but I think there are two things I want to remember. There are two different things I want to address here. The first thing is morning, morning routines, I think, are critical. I have four different things that I do in the morning. Um, I 
do not get out of bed before I meditate. And I do, um, I do um, journaling and meditation immediately in the morning. And those two things, every day I'll choose a different kind of a meditation. Depends on where I'm at. It doesn't have to be a long meditation. I will meditate five minutes, 10 minutes. Usually a six minute meditation is usually the minimum to get maximum results. So five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes depends. Sometimes I've done longer, but mostly five to 10 minutes is really, it's fine. Get this is when you wake up in the morning, you do it immediately? Meditation. Yeah, I'm pretty. After breakfast or? Well, I usually get a cup of coffee, then I do my meditation, do my meditation, and then I journal yeah. immediately after. And I created a new thing in my journal that really, I don't know where it came from, um, out of desperation. <laughs> One day I had a really bad day. And I said, I do not like the fact that I had a bad day. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to do something new. And in the morning, I usually do, do a gratitude journaling. But before I did the gratitude journaling, I did, yesterday went right because, and dot, dot, dot. And I listed all the things that went right the day before. So that I didn't drag what I determined was a bad day into the next day. And you know, I started to look forward to, yesterday went right. I started to really enjoy all the good things that happened the day before and sort of revel in them almost as much as the gratitude part. So those are two components of the journaling. I love that. Then, um, now I also do, in the fourth part that I started to do recently, and it's sort of weird, I haven't, it's relatively new, but I started doing mirroring work. So mirroring work is, um, you're, you're talking to somebody who actually, I hate looking in the mirror. I don't like it, I resist it, I don't do like videos, I don't, I do it, but it's uncomfortable for me. So for a long time, um, like I'm a, I'm a, an amateur dancer, and they always tell you, you've got to look at yourself in the mirror to get improvement. I go, I don't like it. So, you know, I have to force myself. So I started doing mirroring work. Mirror, mirroring work is when you're looking at your eyes in the mirror and you're forgiving yourself, you're endorsing yourself, you're honoring yourself, you're appreciating yourself, and you're, you're telling yourself that your vision um, is deserved. And it's different than it is. That it's, was a very important, sorry to interrupt you, but I think that was a very important thing you said. And I want to make sure people heard it. Your vision is deserved. That, that, with that goal, that dream you have, there's, there's no reason you should not enjoy it when you get it. And you should work towards it because it, you belong, it belongs to you and you belong to it. That's well, that's why so many people have imposter syndrome because they don't really feel they're re worth receiving the results they say they want. So if you're not, that's why um, affirmations do not work unless you truly believe them. An affirmation under no circumstances will it ever become a reality if you don't believe it. So, and when people tell me, is that, they'll say, this is what I want, is that your intention? Yes. Do you believe it? And if they hesitate for half a second, I know they don't believe it. Not for one, like I can feel it. So you have to really only speak to yourself about what you really believe is truly yours or that you're entitled to, that you're deserving of, and that you will, and willing to receive willing to receive. A lot of people are very unwilling to receive what they say they want for lots of historical reasons. When that's in place, you really have to go all the way back to the very big, I'll give you an example of that. I have a remarkable student, remarkable. She's so gifted. She's gifted in one of the arts. And when she was very young, 
she and her sister were both gifted, but her father told her that she shouldn't shine too much. And as a young child, you know, if we want our parents to love us, you know, we'll do whatever they tell us because we're afraid of losing their love. So she embraced that. She was, and she didn't know. She had no idea this was her theme. Um, we had to dig pretty deep. And now her ability to receive results is very limited because she's not to shine too much. So I have to break it all apart. And it's a, it's a process to break it down. Right. I read in a book, I wish I could remember the title of the book, uh, the metaphor of uh, if you're going to be giving all the time, you have to be able to receive the, the joys of that. Otherwise, it's like exhaling and never inhaling. You have to take... It's a beautiful metaphor. I love and it. I wish, I can wish I, I remember, that? Uh, it's not mine. So uh, you can you can plagiarize the plagiarizer. But I think that's... It, it, I've always been... It's always been hard for me to accept compliments. And I know that I've had to overcome that and let it, let it be. I, I know I've, it's been a very uncomfortable, you can even hear by the way I'm talking about it right now. I feel uncomfortable just- Wow. Oh, good. Let's work on that, Joe, because yes. you deserve a lot of compliments. <laughs> oh, stop. No, I don't. See, you just did it. <laughs> I know I did it on purpose. <laughs> but that, it, 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 it takes a consciousness for me to just say thank you and accept it. It does, it's not a natural thing. It, my natural response is to run and hide when somebody wants to compliment me. And so, um, and, but that, that metaphor, that visualization of exhaling without inhaling really helped me understand why it's important. How, how do I give something good to somebody if I'm not accept, if I'm not allowing myself to accept something good in return? You know, it's actually stingy, isn't it? Interesting. Yes. Yeah. It's stingy if you don't let someone um, make a difference with you. It's true because it feels good to compliment somebody else. So why take that? Why not let somebody give? So it's it's such a socialized thing, you know. We've been you know we've been taught in our society to give is you know blessed, but to you know not to receive, and we've been taught to not be greedy. To not, you know so many messages. These are we can go on and on. Um, unraveling the messages. These are deeply programmed messages, and that's why so much of the work that I'm doing with people, like you can't just coach somebody at the surface level and expect profound results because some of these, I, I can give people the best strategies and tactics in the world. And I, and I do on a regular basis, you know, I get business. It's, this is what you do to be successful in business, but it's so um, deeply ingrained on very granular um, um, molecular levels you have to dig in there if you're really good at working with the, that's why i think tony robbins was so successful early on i think he really got the depth of the core of where people get stuck many 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 years ago and he got really good at being fearless at digging into the core message so do, do people like tony robbins do they have self-doubt someone that has such a Oh, that's so weird. I just posted this yesterday. I said, does Tony Robbins ever wake up in a bad mood? Um, undoubtedly, he does. Undoubtedly, he does. Undoubtedly, he has a lot of training about how to pull himself out of it. Right, because he, his whole product is the opposite of that. So he probably can't even have a moment of being a, a human. Like you and I can have a bad moment and chalk it up to being human. He's Tony Robbins. How does he do that? Well, I think that he had many mentors himself. He, he talks about that. And now I think his wife, Sage, um, is probably one of his key mentors now. So when he's struggling with something, I'm sure that that's something that he 
he has his own his own mentors around him. Um, he's had a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And look at what's going on right now. Imagine a Tony Robbins person, like or Tony, like his whole entity is all about live events, and he can't do them now. So he had to he had to pivot. Uh, but he's well. Remember, the more training, the more you train yourself to be adaptable. The more you trust yourself to pivot and to to be adaptable and to be unstoppable. See, when you learn how to be unstoppable, anything is possible for you. When you only know being stopped and being accepting of it, you you are stuck. So you to, I think these are your words, you have to be comfortable with discomfort. It's not mine, you, again, not mine either. So, you know, if you wanna rip that off, it's not mine anyway, <laughs> but it's true. Where did you get, where did you get that from? Because I'm sure one, I somewhere, somewhere. When Somewhere I read that, that stood out as, like, sorry to interrupt, it's, this is the world of Zoom where you, you have that momentary pause and you step on people's words, so I'm gonna, I'm, I apologize, Nancy. Um, but that, that, when I read that, it really gave me pause because um, I think some people relish in discomfort, they feel most at home in discomfort, but is that the same thing as being comfortable? Well, that's an interesting thing. I, when I was, um, I think I've always been very, I've always had a fire in my belly. I think I've always had that. So that I know, but I, I don't think I was always comfortable with being uncomfortable. Again, I think when I started my business, I wanted it so bad that I was willing to go through anything. I was willing to, I've literally walked on the coals. I've worked, I've walked on the hot fire, you know? I, when things don't go the way I expect them to, want them to just feel I deserve to have them happen, um, and I'm really uncomfortable. It should have happened already, right? It's almost like I relish in the, oh yeah, I'll show you, I'll be more unstoppable. And it's like my mantra. I have, I teach my students um, a, a method that I, I think is very powerful. It's called the mind shift keyword. So if you're having a bad, if things aren't going your way and you want to then come to the conclusion of, I'm lousy at this, this isn't working, it's never gonna happen, um, I'm a failure, I'm, whatever the, the conclusion is, when you have a mind shift keyword and everybody gets to pick one that really resonates with them and makes a difference with them, everybody's got a different one, you then get to use it whenever, whenever things are challenging you, you call upon that word, and that is what re that is where you start to interrupt the process, where you interrupt the old pattern, and you can dismantle it in the moment. And my word, it's always been from day one. I it's been unstoppable. Like you cannot stop me. You you I I have moments where I go, yeah, I'm going to stop, but I come right back. I just look at that word and I go, that's who you. Are. You have to be that. You have to be willing to be that. So when you when you find yourself hitting a a speed bump or a brick wall or something in between some point you're that that word percolates to your consciousness and you yeah, it's everywhere around me i have little, I, it's everywhere around me like it's on my phone it's on my computer um it's all around me and like when i want to wallow i give myself like five minutes and at maximum an hour and then i'm and then i'm unstoppable right back to that's who i am 
What a great now, nugget. What a great nugget. If you My students have done, like some of the words they pick are um, the, the words that resonate with them. Some people have picked animals, like, you know, one person picked um, dogs because she loves dogs and dogs always make her feel good. So she goes to, you know, dog because that brings up a positive emotion for her and that brings her back to. So if I use the word, you know, Reuben sandwich, that's okay. <laughs> Do you like, yeah, it makes you feel good, makes you feel powerful, makes you feel, if it makes you feel powerful, go for it. Whatever makes you feel, it's got to be short, it's got to be emotionally charged in the right direction, and as long as it's that, it's good. So, the, so my goal for Small Biz Cast for every single episode is to have a nugget that the listener can take away with and help them be, go push beyond their, their comfort zone, if you will because we're all running small businesses and we all, it's very hard to share those experiences with, with people that we work with and our clients and our colleagues. So this, to me, this you know, mission accomplished with this alone. Glad, now I'm gonna wait to hear your word. You can think, it could be Reuben sandwich, but you make, I wanna hear what, what you really come up with. Well, sometimes I think uh, humor is that which gets me out of it. So uh, 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 it probably would not be Reuben sandwich, but I- Maybe it is, maybe that's really a good one. <laughs> Find, finding something that, that, that makes me a little less serious helps yeah, I love that. see a problem a little bit more clearly, um, to be sure. So uh, it would not be, probably would not be Ruben Sandwich. I was trying to find something that was uh, universally funny. That is funny. I like the humor aspect <laughs> right. of it. I think humor is great. I, I think uh, for, for if, you, if you ever ask, you know, to me what my secret sauce has always been, it's being able to, you know, poke a little fun in when there's a little bit too much tension in the situation. Because sometimes you just need to have, we have to remind ourselves that, 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 you know, all this going on isn't all that serious. We really can find something to laugh about and be, have, be joyful about. And if, even if in an adversarial position, you don't have to be personally adversarial. You can just be professionally adversarial. And I think that's helped me get through a lot of barriers when it comes to personality conflicts and things on that level. That's great. I love it. Do it. So that's why everybody's, you know, keyword is different. Right. Everybody's different. But as long as it feeds, as long as it gives you an emotional um, up, it's good. Right. So who are your typical clients? Let's let's try to uh, try to. Get so you know, it changed. So. I I made a decision. Um, I shifted this a while back. I was doing a lot of work with law firms and accounting firms, and I loved working with them. Uh, and then I I shifted because. Um, I really love business and I, I really wanted to work with highly motivated people who really wanted to advance, to grow, to evolve. Um, and I, I found myself being very drawn and hungry for working with entrepreneurs, especially people who wanted to build online. I thought that I knew that the world was gonna be moving online I didn't know like this, I knew, but I didn't, the online education world is probably, if it's now it's probably way more than 5 billion, but it was when I first began and I started to do my research, it was already a multi-billion dollar industry. So you didn't know that March of 2020 would be the day. No, I didn't know, but I always, uh, but it's interesting, my, my, my current webinar, I said, you need a plan B. I had no idea it was going to be a planned pandemic. I didn't know that. I just, it was, <laughs> it was terrible that to be so, I didn't know, but I always knew you have to be prepared for like something happening. 
And I work with people mostly who are over 50 who have had big career disappointments. Either they've, been, they've lost their jobs, they're unhappy, they want another avenue to have freedom, to have flexibility, to be able to work where they want, to have autonomy, and to make more money without being limited by a paycheck. So um, I started to work with people who wanted to learn the online, you know, online world, and I work with people mostly over 50 who want to build an online education or coaching or training business. I had some pr parameters around the business that I started. When I was doing the work, when I met you, I was doing on-site work with a lot of law firms and a lot of accounting firms. It was, I would go to them. They would, I had packages of services, but if I didn't work, I didn't get paid. I said, this is ridiculous. I don't want, I can't grow. Like at some point right. I had, I was tapped out. I couldn't take any more student clients. And then I would have to hire another coach. And I tried that. And then I would hire the coach and that coach was not as good. Now right. I know that people like David, um, he created a business out of coaching for lawyers and he created a system. He created, he spent a huge amount of money building a platform. He sold it to a lot of law firms. He hired other coaches and he, you know, and I'm sure he'll sell the business. It was a huge amount of work. Um, and he invested, he made a huge, just getting the platform built alone. I'm sure it cost him like, you know, $100,000 just to do that. So he made a huge investment. He worked really hard. He did a good job. And I'm sure, I don't know what he's doing right now. Very good guy. He really created a good, he created an avenue that lawyers, the law firms really wanted it. So he knew there was a, a desire and he packaged it up in the right way, but it was not, it, was a, it wasn't like him doing all the work. The idea of it was at some point, he really built it to sell. He didn't do like, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to have a business where I didn't have to be on site or on tap or any of it. And I didn't want other coaches. I didn't want to be responsible for other people's performance because I, right. I did that before I was very regretful. So I wanted a very simple business model. And it is simple. When you do an online business, I only have, I have like, you know, anybody that I hire is not an employee. I have no payroll. I have no receivables. Zero. <laughs> right. Never have. Never. Right. One time I had a receivable. And you know who I got a receivable from? One managing partner of a CPA firm who shall remain nameless. I adore this man. He promised me eight ways to Sunday that if I... I told him, you've got to pay me up front. He goes, I don't do that with anybody. I said, but you've done it with me for three years. He goes, but not now. And when I let him off the hook, he's the one I had to go hunting for the money. I said, never again. So right. I have no receivables. It's like, oh, and I don't even have to go. So I think the model is basically for people who are wanting to provide service for people, but are pretty lazy on the marketing side. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Very good. How, how do people get a hold of you, please? Um, well, most of the people find me through, I do a lot of, I do a lot of Facebook ads and um, I have a, a, a webinar, a complimentary webinar that people, they learn a lot about what the, the true, the truth about building online is. And I, I really am pretty straight with them. So it's not for the, it's not for the faint hearted, but it's for the very determined and for people who really love making a difference with others. They, they can find me. My website is thebusinessfox.com. But for those people who want to explore <clears throat> what it's like to really build online and to what, what it would really take, um, I created, you know, you can go to the businessfox.com forward slash reinvention. You're reinventing yourself, right? Reinvention. And, um, and then after that, you know, I'm all over. I'm on, on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. 
you know, those are my two main platforms. Great. And Very YouTube, well. and YouTube. Well, I plan to, I plan to, to listen to your webinar. I want to, I, I really, I'm really intrigued. I think it's fantastic. I really appreciate you being on Small Bizcast. I think this is only- I think it's just been awesome that you've had me. I've loved this and I'm so, um, I've loved this conversation. I so appreciate it, really. Stop. I can't take compliments. <laughs> well, <laughs> just do it anyway, as Nike right. says, just do it. Fair enough. You're unstoppable, Nancy. Thank you so okay. much. Okay. Okay. Reuben sandwich. I'll have to try that one out. <laughs> All right. All right. So take, take care. care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Over the many years I've worked at Mercury Document Imaging, we've been solving business problems using technology. And now we have this new reality. Employees are working from home and companies are trying to stay relevant and efficient and have accountability for their employees while doing so. The big problem is that the cyber criminals are working from home too. And they have been doing this longer and know what they're doing and know what vulnerabilities you've created by kind of throwing this together quickly. So now that it looks like we're gonna be here for a while, it's time to think about this. I want you to reach out to my company. We'll either help you or refer you to a partner that can help you, depending on what the vulnerability is. But the first thing to do is start with an assessment, make sure that you're protected, and then find the weak link. So please call us, 818-782-1221. My extension is 25913, but call anybody at the office. We're all happy to help you, and we want to make sure that we don't have any more problems than we already have. Thanks. With unmatched curiosity and a genuine desire to help people, Asher Dahan has been solving technical problems since he was a child. Today, he is the proud patent holder solving one of the biggest technical problems ever to play business, ransomware. His company, Block Ransomware, does just that, and Osher is sharing his journey in our next episode of Small BizCast. Here's a sneak peek. Um, problem solver would be really the beginning of everything. Um, just someone that's always looking for how to help other people solve problems, and that created in some way many of the businesses and the adventures that I got into. Um, just recognizing a certain need in the market or something that people needed a lot of help with and could not get it in a reasonable price or in a good enough service. And I thought that I can give them something way better compared to what I had seen. And just the joy of helping people. The fact that it pays good after that, I mean, that's a bonus, but it started from the satisfaction of seeing someone that is hurting from normally something with technology and being able to help them out to get it up and running. Nancy Fox, what a fantastic guest. I learned some great nuggets. Wait, wait, Ruben Sandwich. Okay, I'm ready. Thank you for listening to the Small BizCast. You can follow us by giving us a like on our Facebook page at Small BizCast, or you can follow us on Instagram, also at Small BizCast. If you have business questions or are thinking about sponsoring our show, check out our website, smallbizcast.com. Once again, Small Biz, it's a wonderful life.